Thank you for joining me today for Bible Studies of the Rust. This is Season 2, Study Number 9. We'll be looking at Joshua Chapter 11, Verses 7-18 through 18 today. We'll be outlining these chapters, as we'll be looking at several divisions and summaries throughout these sections. I do want to thank you for being here with me today as we look at Joshua Chapter 11 and Chapter 12. We will be outlining a lot of Chapter 11 and Chapter 12. We're not going to be going verse by verse, uh, where I'm discussing some of the events and looking at uh, the different points uh, and sections here, uh, looking at chapter 11 and 12 really in sections and not just verse by verse because of the some of the summaries we find here in these chapters. So in chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, we find that the kings joined together to fight the Israelites. You look at verse 5, the Bible says, And when all, the, all these kings had met together, they came and, kept a, and came and camped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. And so they're literally coming to fight against Joshua. They intend to wage this war against Joshua and all of, of Israel to try to conquer them. And we find here next, as we look at verse uh, look at verse 6 here, it says Joshua is, we find here that Joshua is really reassured by God. Because we know here in verses 1 through 4, all these kings are coming together and their armies. And so in verse 6, the Lord reassures Joshua. Notice what he says here. But the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. And so we find here in verse 6, as Joshua is seeing all this happening, the Lord reassures him and says, Look, he says in verse 6 here, Don't be afraid for them, uh, because of them, rather. About this, For tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain, that is, dead, before Israel. I mean, you're going to conquer Israel. All these people, don't be afraid. You think about everything that Joshua has already seen in the battles that he has been involved in. They have seen uh, victory, as we saw previously there in chapter 10. Uh, multiple victories. It's just going from one place to the next. Victory and victory and victory because, as we mentioned last time, God was with him. And as we look here next, we look at verses 7 and 8. We find that Joshua defeats all the kings. The Bible says here, So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them, suddenly by the waters of Merom, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the, into the hand of Israel, just like we saw he would there in verse 6, uh, who, uh, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook of uh, Meshaproth, and to the valley of Mespah eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. They killed all of them. Now we also know here, if you look back, we find that uh, these individuals did have a chance to, to, to repent of their sins and uh, previously to all this uh, and to, to come to God. But uh, these seeds we're talking about being destroyed. These aren't people who are innocent, people who have done nothing wrong. There's idolaters here. There's all types of wicked things going on. God wasn't taking Israel and having them defeat cities that were doing nothing wrong. There was evil going on there. And so how they get their land, the Lord had them defeat these these evil kings and destroy these evil people, and then God's people took over the land. And so that's what we find there, verses 7 and 8. We look next year at verses 9 through 15. We find that Joshua takes the enemy cities, killing everyone and taking all their goods. And as we look here uh, in this section here, uh, we look at verses uh, 7, 7 and 8 specifically. Notice what he says here. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against him suddenly by the waters. We mentioned already how they destroyed all of them, right? Uh, verses, nine, sorry, verses 9 through 15. Look at verse 11. That's the verse I'm looking for. 
Verse 11 says, And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. Notice this phrase, There was none left breathing. They, then he burned Hazar with fire. They killed everyone. And why is that? Because God wanted, wanted to show his power through Joshua and show it was him who's given the victory and also overcoming these wicked people at the same time. Again, these are not good people. These are wicked people. God doesn't destroy, uh, take his people and fight against other noble people. Now, we also know as we continue to read the Lord, as we continue reading later, we'll find the Lord hardened their hearts against them. And he does that. Why? Because really, they're, if, we're, if we go back and look, in, look at these people, look at what's going on here, these people were not going, going, were not going to come to God. They were uh, evil people. So we read that phrase that God hardened their hearts. It wasn't that God caused them to become evil. It was that God moved them really to rebellion, uh, for the rebellion to bring war. And here it's used to show Joshua was going to defeat them with, of course, God being, uh, at, at being the one who's giving him that victory. Now, one of the verses I want us to notice here is verse 20, as we look at this section, verses 16 through 23, where Joshua takes the whole land just as God commanded Moses. Uh, we find in verse 20, it says, For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, they should come against Israel in battle. Now, again, God isn't bringing righteous people to fight against Israel. He's bringing wicked people. He is, he is inciting them to come up and, and fight against Joshua. So he's not encouraging uh, wickedness. He's not encouraging uh righteous people to do wrong what he's doing is taking these wicked people and he's making it he's making it possible for joshua to defeat them why is that because they're wicked and because joshua is to take the land and we continue reading here we drop down to verse 23 of this section here so joshua took the whole land according to all that lord had said to moses and joshua gave gave it as an inheritance to israel according to the divisions by their tribes and the land rested for more and so we find here what happened this was again God had promised, or God had told uh, Moses, this is, this is what was to happen. And what's happening? Well, Joshua was carrying it out. And so all the land is taken, as we found there in verse 23. Uh, Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel, the people of Israel. Uh, according to their divisions by their tribes, then the land rested for more. And so the land was going to be divided up among the tribes. And we find that later as we continue on through uh, the book of Joshua. Now, as you look here in verse 12, or it should be chapter 12, rather, again, summary. And I have here literally in our outline here, verses 1 through 5 of chapter 12, is a summary of the conquered kings. And, uh, again, we're not, going to be reading th- we're not going to be reading through this verse by verse. But verses 1 through 5, as you read through that, it literally is. You can see very quickly, it's just a summary. He defeated this king. He defeated this king, right? Uh, he says there in verse 1, These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated, and whose land they possess on the other side of the Jordan, toward the rising of the sun, from the river Arnon to the mount to Mount Hermon, and all the eastern Jordan plain. Verse 2, One king was, and begins from there, and following, listing these kings that they defeated. And that's what we find there in verses 1 uh, through 5. In verse 6, we also find here, that Moses, uh, these are the people that Moses previously conquered, or mentioned in verse 6. He says here, these these uh, these Moses as serving the Lord and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses as serving the Lord had given it as a possession to, to the Reubenites, uh, the, the, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. And so, again, all these kings and them being conquered is summarized there, uh, really in the first six verses there of Joshua. Now, in verse 7, through the end of the chapter, 
is a is we're going to find here next is a description of the lands conquered on the west side of Jordan by Joshua and the children of Israel. Uh, it is as you notice there in your Bibles it is quite lengthy. It begins to say the king of Jericho, the uh, one, uh, the king of Jericho one, the king of Ai, which is beside the Bethel one, and he goes on to list them from verse really verse nine and following. Um, but I also want us to notice here verse eight uh, of Joshua chapter twelve. Um, he says here in the mountain country in the lands. Excuse me, let's back out of verse seven. And these are the kings of the of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west from from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Halak, and the and the ascent to Seir which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions in the mountain countries and then he begins to he mentioned them uh those individuals places right in the mountain country in the lowlands and the, in the jordan plain and the slopes and in the wilderness and in the south the hittites the amorites the canaanites the parasites the hevite Hev, hevites and the jebusites and then verse 9 of following he begins to list those and so again is a description of all the lands conquered on the west side of jordan by joshua and the children of, of israel as we get into chapter 13 and following, we'll be outlining these uh, even more so, not reading actually uh, the text itself, as much of this is, again, divisions and a lot of uh, summary. And so we are going to read uh, maybe just a few here and there, but primarily we will be outlining this uh, as we have it here on the screen and as I'll be reading it off as well. So make sure those who are listening online later will also be able to hear this when this is in podcast form as well. But Joshua chapter 13 begins with verse 1 by saying, Now Joshua was old, advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. I kind of find this a little bit humorous. The Lord tells him, You're old. <laughs> Not something that probably many of us would take uh, take into as a compliment. Um, but what the Lord is telling Joshua is, is that you're old, and what happens? Well, there's still much land to be possessed, and so we need to, what's going to happen is there's going to be dividing up the land. Uh, the Lord's going to be dividing up the land. And as you continue reading there in verses, verse 2 and following, verses verses 1 through 7 deals with the Lord, how the Lord promises to drive out all the people that still remain uh, in Canaan. He says in verse 2, this is, this is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Gergesites. He begins to list several others here in verse 3 as well. And he goes on down here, listing several others. And we look at verse 7. Now, therefore, divide this land as inheritance to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, in verses 8 through 33 of chapter chapter 13 of Joshua, you have some tribes who are already assigned their inheritance under Moses' leadership. And then verses uh, 15 through 23, as you break that down a little bit more, you find Reuben possesses the land east of the Jordan and just north of Moab of Joshua 13, 15 through 23. And then Gad and verses 24 through 28 possesses the land east of the Jordan and just north of Reuben. This is really where you need a map, which I don't have one on here. And of course, if you're listening to a podcast, you wouldn't see it anyway. But uh, if you have, you know, a lot of us will have, if you have a Bible app, like I use Olive Tree, uh, and there's a lot of out there. If you go Blue Letter Bible, there's a lot of uh, maps you can access as well, and you can see where these places are. It kind of helps you helps you really put that in your mind where we're talking about. Uh, but again, uh, these are these are the visions of the land are, be, are being given here, as we saw there in verse 
uh, seven, divide this land as inheritance of the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh. Now, as we saw a moment ago, verse, verse 8 through about verse 14, how some tribes were already assigned their inheritance under Moses' leadership. And so we're focusing on the others. Again, Reuben possesses the land east of the Jordan and just north of Moab in verses 15 through 23. And then Gad possesses the land east of the Jordan and just north of Reuben there in Joshua chapter 13, verses 24 through 28. If you look here, a lot of a lot of this is uh, when you talk about these things being divided up. A lot of language is very similar as it just describes where these places are and things such as that, and also the cities and things as well. For instance, we have there mentioned Reuben in verses 15 through 23 of Joshua 13. It says here in Heshbon, all the cities are in the plain. It begins to list a lot of details there, but we found there as we have here on this outline, as it's mentioned, it's the land east of the Jordan and just north of Moab there for Reuben and Gad, the land east of the uh, east of the Jordan and north of Reuben. Now we look at, uh, and now as we look here, continue on here in chapter 13, we find as we drop down to verse 29. Uh, verse 29 through 31, you have East Manasseh. This half tribe possesses the land east of the Jordan and just north of Gad. And so again, you find East Manasseh is going to be above Gaz, as mentioned first previously back in verse 24 through 28. Again, East Manasseh, verses 29 through 31 of Joshua 13. Uh, this half tribe possesses the land east of the Jordan and just north of Gad. Uh, and then a lot of part here, chapter 13, as it's mentioned in verse 14 of chapter 13, and then again in verses 32 and 33, that Levi, no land is given to them. The Lord himself is their inheritance. In fact, you look there at verse 33, it says that almost word for word, the Lord himself is their inheritance. So they actually have no land designated for them. Uh, next, we find in chapter 14, uh, in verses 1 through 5, we find the allotment. Land areas for the tribes are determined by casting lots and is supervised by Joshua and the high priest uh, Eleazar, or Eleazar there. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly there in verses 1 uh, through 5 of chapter uh, 14. If you notice here, uh, looking at chapter 14, these verses here says, these are, these are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded uh, by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half tribe, and the half tribe. And so again, uh, they'll be casting lots and supervised by Joshua and the high priest, uh, Eleazar. There, verse six through twelve of chapter fourteen, you have Caleb's request or his uh, maybe his his uh, kind of a reminder really about why he why uh, he should be granted some land for his family, and that's verses six through twelve, uh, Joshua chapter fourteen, where he says here, um, yeah, let me get make sure I'm at the right place. Uh, then children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. Joshua 14, verse 6, And Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word of the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And what Caleb is going to continue to point out here is that, look, I need land. I've been faithful to God. The Lord's been faithful to me. And so he was requesting land. Now, he's not demanding it. He's not demanding it. Like we put out here in our outline, it is a request. 
He says in verse 9 of Joshua 14, So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because ye have wholly followed the Lord my God. And so there's we find that request, and it continues on there through verse uh, through verse 12. Uh, and look at verse 12, and again, like I said here, I have broken down here in this next screen a little bit more. Verse 11, his reminder, Caleb's reminder of his faithfulness to the Lord. And verses 12 through 15, the Lord's faithfulness to, to Caleb as well. And then as you continue on here, this next section is uh, is much, this is a much larger outlined section. Uh we move into chapter 15 now. We find, and I have this outline from chapter 15 all the way through chapter 17, verse 18. And I'll stop there uh, at verse 18. Now, as you've seen in previous studies, this isn't normally how we do it. Uh, obviously, we normally do go verse by verse or sections by sections. But as we look at all this, when you talk about divisions, a lot of this is repetitive and it's just distributing the land. And so we're outlining it this way. This is not how we're going to do it moving forward. And so, but when we have sections such as this and long listings and things like that, uh, that's how I plan to do it. Um, verses, verses, excuse me, uh, Joshua 15, verses 1 through 63, we find Judah, the land is given to the people. We find that specifically in verses 1 through 12, their territory, and then verses 20 through 63, their towns are mentioned there as well. And also, if you look there, that in between verses 13 through 19, as promised, Joshua gives Caleb the hill country of Hebron. And so that uh, is uh, basically there is, is that, that great division there. Uh, and we find next, as we'll continue in a moment, some, also some actions of, of Caleb as well. But again, uh, as you look at chapter 15 so far, 1 through 12, we find Judah is given their land, and this is their territory, verses 1 through 12. Their towns in verses 20 through 63. And then we back up, we find verses 13 through 19, uh, as promised, Joshua gives Caleb the, the hill country of Hebron. Now, as you're looking at chapter 15, verses 13 through 15, we find Caleb succeeds in driving the, the giants from the land here, uh, as we have here in this outline. You look at Joshua 15, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, Now Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua. Uh, we mentioned that already, which is Hebron there in verse 13. Verse 14, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. Uh, I can't pronounce their names. Uh, the children of Anak there, it's mentioned in verse 14. Then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir. Formerly the name of Debir was Kirajuth. Uh, I'm horrible with pronouncing these. Uh, verse 16, Caleb said, he who attacks uh, this place and takes it uh, to him, I will give Achish my daughter as wife. And we find that verses 16 through 19. So let's back up for a moment as I was reading a little too far there. 13 through 15, Caleb succeeds in driving out the giants from his land. Uh, and the, they are mentioned there as the sons of Anak. Uh, uh, and this here is, if you look at Strong's, it says here, a tribe of the giant people in Canaan. So literally giants. You know, sometimes in the Bible, you got, you got to pay attention to context. Sometimes, I believe it's Genesis, it talks about the giants, uh, people who, who were uh, the giants and it's a reference to not people who are literally giants as in height but people who are well known in the land um, and so it's not always literally giants you have to put that in context uh, but here with Anik it's as it's mentioned here uh, there in verse 9 Anik which that word actually means neck interesting meaning there but um, 
it was the the tribe or the family of the giant people in Canaan, and this this is the group of people who who Josh or who rather Caleb rather drove out. Now, verses sixteen through nineteen, Kib gave his daughter Achish in marriage as a reward for capturing Debir to her cousin Othanel, and gives her some spring some springs of water. Um, it's not uncommon in Old Testament times to see things like someone marrying their cousin. Now today, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't do that. Uh, uh, I I don't know of, of people who have you know maybe sometimes people don't realize that someone is a distant cousin way down the line. Like um, that's not what we're talking about here. It's not mentioned. I don't know of, of it being specifically mentioned who this uh, how far down this cousin is, but she does marry her cousin Ulthanel there in ver- there in verse. Um, 17 the brother of caleb uh so Othanel, the son of kenaz the brother of caleb took it and he gave him uh, akesh his daughter as wife and so there you go um he promised that reward and caleb gives that to them there in verses 16 through 19 um next we find here so as you look at Joshua 16, we kind of jump around a little bit here. Verses 5 through 8, you have Ephraim's territory that's mentioned. Verses 9 and 10, you have their towns. And then you have West Manasseh that's split between chapter 16 and 17. Verses 1 through 4, you have West Manasseh mentioned. And then also uh, chapter 17, 1 through 13, you have them mentioned again. Which brings us to the daughters of uh, Zillophad's daughters here in verse uh, and in Joshua, six, uh, Joshua 17. And they remind Joshua of the Lord's promise to give them the land once allowed to their father. And like Joshua has other times as well, when he, when he has been reminded about the Lord's promise to these different groups of people, he fulfills it. And so what's mentioned next, verses 7 through 10, the territories. And then 11 through 13, the towns. And so God, or uh, rather Joshua here, goes and fulfills again what they have been promised this by the Lord. So Joshua gives it to them, right? And rightfully so. Next in verses uh, in Joshua 17, verses 7 through 14, you have the tri- half-tribes of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh, and they complain to Joshua they need more land due to their sides. And to me, this is one of the rare times you see a complaint during this during this period. Not everyone, when they approach, jo- uh, when they approach Joshua uh, to make requests or to remind him of something, complains. But here, the these half-tribes do. And what happens, verses 15 through 18, well, Joshua enlarges their borders and, tell them to, and tells them to drive out the Canaanites near them and to occupy the land. And so it's going to require them to do something, but he does give them this land. Now, we're going to stop there today. That is a, a lot of outlining. When we come back next week, uh, Lord willing, uh, we are going to outline chapters 18 and 19. Uh, I'm not going to do that today because we've already gone over 20 minutes of just outlining. And to me, that's more than enough for one study. But we will outline chapters 18 and 19 next week. But when we get to uh, chapter 20, our outlining days will be will be over for a while. As chapter 20 deals with the cities of refuge, which to me is a very, very interesting uh, study. And an interesting uh, thing to consider when you think about what that what all that involved. And so we're going to stop there today. I do thank you for listening. I hope you join me again next time.